that, dear young lady. I appreciate that. I got to clean my glasses off here, folks. I can't even see out of these things. I think I'm in the right room here, ain't I? All right. morning. What's that song say there? God's word now in flesh appearing. Ain't that a beautiful thing? Absolutely wonderful. Listen, I left a couple of, uh, I left a couple of new little cartoon books out there. The greatest story ever told and La Historia Mas Bella. Did I say that right? Is that, how you, is that how you say that on there? Yeah, so we got these things in Spanish and English out there. If you guys want to grab a few of them and hand them out, it's a great time of year to be handing those things out. They're wonderful little storybooks. It tells all about what we just sang about there, you know. So anyways, um, all right, we're going to get started here with lesson number two this morning. And anybody have anything they want to tell the class about? Anything happened this week, passing out tracts, witnessing to anybody, um, prayer requests, praise reports, and then I've got something I'm going to, I'll tell you guys a little story about something I heard this morning. Anybody got anything you want to talk about? All right. You guys awake out there? <laughs> All right. The Christmas spirit, right? That's what, uh, that's what we got. So anyway, Sharon was telling me this morning that uh, she went last night and seen the play A Christmas Carol down here in the, is in the little theater. What's the name of that theater? Arcadia, the Arcadia Theater. And, um, you know, I was, I think I was telling Dave the other day that that Christmas Carol movie, I'd never ever even seen that thing before. I, I knew about it then. Preacher mentioned something about it when he was talking about the book of Ecclesiastes here the other day about being a Scrooge and what that's all about and everything. And, and uh, I said, well, I've never even seen that movie. There's a couple other Christmas movies that I hadn't seen that probably ought to look into. But anyway, Patty and I watched that the other day. I think it was filmed in 1948 or something. So it was all black and white. It was really cool to see it. There was one a little earlier filming of it that, than that that you couldn't even you couldn't even watch it. The it was the picture was so bad it was like Thomas Edison or something made that film and you, so it was hard to see. But um, we watched that. What a remarkable story in the way that that man's heart was changed. But then Sharon was telling me about the play last night, and um, this was very encouraging to me. The uh, the kids that were doing the play, and then keeping in mind that this is in a public forum, a bunch of people. Kids that were in the play were all homeschooled, is that right? They're all homeschooled children. And um, finally, it, it goes through the whole story. Just everybody's probably seen that. I'm probably the only guy in this church that hasn't ever seen that movie. Anyway, it goes through the whole story there. And at the end, when the, when the last angel appears to this guy, Scrooge, he um, he comes up and, and at the end, kind of the spotlight shines on him. Am I getting this right? And uh, he drops down to his knees on the stage and accepts Christ as his savior right in front of the city of Bridgeport. And so that's what we're trying to do, folks. We got to get more. Now, here's a bunch of kids in a public forum that are going out there and witnessing 
I mentioned, uh, I mentioned to Sharon, I said, those kids are all evangelizing, which is what we're supposed to be doing. And some of them might not even know the commandment. Certainly there are people that seen that play there. You said it was mostly people from the families and stuff, but I'm sure there were some people, you know, that were in that thing that seen it, that maybe they've never even heard the gospel before, and, and who knows what's going to happen along those lines. So you never know. You just have no idea what God is going to use in our lives to get the point across to people. But the Bible does say that his word will not return void. It's going to go out and it's going to do something. It's either going to get somebody to move in one direction or the other. It's just that simple. It's, a, it's, a, it's pretty black and white, and it's a clear choice. You either go this way or you go that way. There's not any mediocrity. God says he doesn't like a lukewarm Christian, right? He's going to spit you out of his mouth or something, I think is what it says there. So we got we to gotta be on fire for the Lord, and it would be nice to get more people to be that way. So... Anyway, let's just have a word of prayer here and we'll get started. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us here again this morning. We thank you for the testimony about that play last night. Uh, Lord, it was just a blessing to hear about that this morning. And so, Father, I'd ask that anybody that heard that that may not know you as Lord and Savior would take something there and consider it and perhaps uh, come to know, as the actor did last night, uh, you as Lord and Savior. We thank you for the time that you've given us here. We love you and praise you in Christ's name. All right. Um, Fishers of men, that's the title of the lesson here, Matthew 4, 19, and he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So I guess I kind of already asked about how folks did about handing out tracts. Now I have a, t today's challenge when we get done here, I will, um, I will give you a, a much, much more difficult challenge to do, Okay. You might not believe what it is, but I'll give it to you at the end of the class here this morning, and we'll see how, how that goes next week. All right, so as we get into this, now one of the, the next section in this book is all, is all about understanding the gospel. And <clears throat> probably everybody in the room already understands the gospel. What we might not understand is, is how to go about sharing it with people when you have different things that come up. So that's what we're gonna kind of start to get into here a little bit as we, as we move along. So the question is then, are you prepared to share what Christ has done in your life? 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Meekness and fear. So <clears throat> that meekness is, uh, uh, that word has a, a notion of, uh, subordination. It's, a, it's a, a notion of humbling yourself and understanding who Christ is and being obedient to what he wants us to do here. So as you, as you go through life and you deal with your jobs and your interaction when you're out rubbing elbows with this world that we live in, which can be very trying sometimes, here's a couple of, here's a couple of questions that you may get along the lines of give an answer to every man that asks you a question. So maybe some of these things you have, uh, you've heard before. You might have somebody say to you, you spend a lot of time in that church you go to. Why do you do that? Why do you spend a lot of time in the church? Well, 
We spend a lot of time in the church because we love to be around the people that are like-minded. It's like if you're in any kind of a club or something, you like to be around people at the, at the yacht club that like yachts, right? You don't want to be around people that don't like them. You like to be around people in church that are like-minded, that love the Lord, want to go out and do something for the Lord. Um, that's why I go to that church. And by the way, what you find out when you go to our church is that they're going to preach to you Jesus Christ, and that's how you go to heaven. So this is a way that you would answer somebody. And that might spin off some, uh, spin off some questions. So there's one. You ever been to that? Or why, why do you go to that church? Um, you get this. I've gotten this question on numerous occasions. You don't drink, huh? Why is that? Why don't you drink? Why don't you drink alcohol? Well, listen, there's, there's probably a whole lot of reasons why you don't drink alcohol, why some people might not drink alcohol. I personally, back years and years ago, I've, I've drank beer. I like to drink beer. I like the taste of it. Liked every, nothing like a Mexican dinner with a cold glass of beer, right? But, and I don't have a problem, never been drunk. I don't have a problem with alcoholism or anything like that, even though the Bible kind of warns about that. It says don't even look at this stuff because it might be problematic for you. Um, but you know what else it can be? Is it can be a, a stumbling block for another Christian, or it can be a stumbling block for somebody that's considering the faith. Listen, if you don't think that Christians, people particularly professed Christians, are under a microscope, you got another thing coming. I'll never forget, up in Cleveland, Ohio, there was a Baptist preacher up there. He made an error of judgment in his thing. He had an affair with his secretary or some crazy thing like that, right? That thing was like headlines in the plain dealer there for the next two weeks. Anything else goes on in any other church, it's, you know, uh, section A54 on the back page, and it's a little article this big about, you know, what went on there. So, yep, you don't, don't, don't get involved with that. Anyway, this whole business of the drinking, that can always lead you right into, a, right into an answer about here's why I don't do that. Here's why I have the hope that's in me. Here's why I do the things that I do. Here's another one you might get somebody says, I've noticed that you do not get wrapped up in all the gossip that goes on in the office here. How do you do that? Well, that's really a, that's really a wide open door for giving somebody the gospel. You get to where you start talking about why you, why you do that. Hey, listen, it's not, it's not right. You might even have some experience doing that. I've seen, I've seen gossip one time in a, when I was back in high school, and that's been a long, long time ago, just totally destroyed this kid's life. I mean, it was a disaster. Um, I think at some point in that whole thing, that kid was ready to put a gun to his head, and they finally got it all figured out and got, got it off of, off of center. But um, you, you know what? You have a question like that comes up. I, I, I've never worked in an office environment, so to speak. I've just never had a job that would allow me to do that. But I can imagine what it must be like in some of those conditions where you've got people gossiping, talking about different things. It's always... Nah, 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 nah. You know, stay, stay away from that. It's not good for our testimony. It's not good for anything. It's not what God wants us to do. We're supposed to deal with people in loving kindness. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So anyway, I like this one here. Nothing bothers you, does it? Yeah, when you got the hope of the Lord and you understand who's in control of this and what our destination is here at the end of our reign on earth, uh, you don't have to let things bother you. There's things that are going to come up in our lives that are not going to be pleasant. There's going to be tragedies. There's going to be heartache, all these different things. But if you keep yourself focused on God and you keep yourself 
uh, under the salvation, the shed blood of Christ, you can get through anything. We had this, we had this fella here just not all that long ago, um, the, the uh, how to get through what you can never get over, that, that guy, uh, Prater, was that his, I think that was that preacher's name, Bill Prater, I think. Anyways, um, incidentally, if you haven't read that book, you ought to get a copy of it and read it. It's, it's really quite excellent. But anyways, there's, uh, uh, you know, he's clearly got the Lord at the forefront of his life there, and that's so you can get through these things. And again, another one of these questions that will just lead right into witnessing to somebody. How about this one here? I have a really funny joke, but it's a little on the vulgar side. Do you want to hear it? Boy, it's probably a good joke. It's probably, it'd probably be hilarious to hear that joke. But you know what? No, I'm not interested in that. That's not, that's not something that's going to bring glory and honor to God, so I'm not going to partake in that. Either walk out of the room if it's a crowd full of people, or just tell the person, look. And there'll be a question that'll come up, I promise. There'll be a question that'll come up. How come you don't want to listen to that? Well, here, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what happened in my life. Let me give you my testimony. And this is the reason why I don't get involved in those sort of things. Man, I heard that your mom died. Are you okay? Yep, I'm fine. My mom knew Jesus is her Lord and Savior, so I know that she's in heaven right now. There's not a question in my mind about that. There's a little interesting side note here. As you guys have probably already heard by now, I crashed the van. Did y'all know that? Yeah, I wrecked our... Uh, oh, you, you knew, huh, Sharon? A little gossip going on in the church here. Okay, so, so anyway... Um, it wasn't that big of a deal. I backed into a thing and the window got broken. Yeah, so anyway, it's scheduled to get fixed this week and all that stuff. But here was the thing. When I was talking to the man about, about the van, we talked about 15 minutes about the van and we spent the next half hour talking about the Lord. It was a wonderful experience with this guy. And, uh, um, you know, you go through here and you... And you have an opportunity as these things come up. So here's our question here. Man, I heard your mom died. Are you okay? Yep, I know. I know she's in heaven because of Jesus and what have you. Well, it was the same way with this guy with this van. We start talking and he asked me this question. We got to talking about Jesus. He has been in several different churches. As a matter of fact, he goes to the Church of Christ, which is somewhere right in the city. Uh, he kind of pointed up the road. I don't know where. Where is it at? down the road here? Okay, all right. He goes there and I said, oh, how often do you go? He goes, not, not very often. I don't hardly ever go to church. But he, he kind of grew up Baptist and I finally got around to asking him, I says, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because that's all I'm, all I'm interested in. He says, I do, but I have some doubts about stuff. He says, I wonder about this whole matter of just knowing him and if you go to heaven when you die and all that kind of stuff. And then he, then he turned the table around on me and he said, what about you, Jeff? Do you know for sure if you drop dead right now, you'd be in heaven? And I said, absolutely. I'm 100% crystal clear about that. There's not a question in my mind. He goes, how can you be that? Sir? I said, the Bible says these things are written that you may know. I said, go read the book of John. Or I'll sit down with the Bible and I'll show you how you can know that, uh, that you can be in heaven when you die. So anyway, all kinds of different things. Stuff that comes up if you just get out there and talk to people. And here's one. What is it about you? You're different than everybody else that I know. Now, I can't imagine that there's not some people in this, sitting in this room right now that haven't heard somebody say that to them. 
mean, I've, I've, been around, I've been around most of you folks here, at least in church, some of you socially, some of you at dinners and doing different things and what have you. And there's just this different air that's around you. There's, you know, people say, oh, so, so-and-so has a glow about them, right? Well, there's Christian people that are like that too. You can just tell there's something different. But anyway, you get somebody, you get somebody asking you that question right there, that's a, that's a really great way to go into telling them about the Lord here. How about this one here? This is a, another wide open thing. I'm really having a tough time of things right now. Do you know anybody that can help me with that, with just about anything? Yeah, I know somebody that can help you. Jesus can help you. Jesus can get you through all these different things. And then you just go right down the, right down the course and you start telling people about what the Lord can do and how this is all going to work and, and uh, why, he, why you need to know Jesus. All right. Or then I think uh, Gary said you, you, uh, you call the phone number 1-800-DAVID-MORE. Wasn't that the, that the number if you need help with your plumbing or all this kind of stuff? Hopefully when you're helping somebody with their plumbing, you have a, a testimony there and you can, you can witness to them a little bit. The opportunities that are afforded us when it comes to going out there and showing loving kindness to other human beings, I'll tell you, People are, people are just blown away about what other people will do. I had occasion here just the other day. I got a phone call from my son-in-law, and he says, Hey, Jeff, there's a guy over at Addison Airport that needs some help with his airplane, and because it's an experimental airplane, nobody will touch it. They just don't want to put their fingerprints on it. This is a little oil leak the guy had. And it's got, a, um, it's got a very nice turboprop engine on it, PT6 engine, which I know about those and kind of know a little bit about them and messed with them some and everything. And I said, I'll be happy to go out there and help this guy. And he calls me and he says, yeah, hey, you know, come out. Well, by the time my day got over with, the, um, uh, uh, it was about, what, 9 o'clock or something before I get, 9 o'clock in the evening before I got out there to help this guy with his airplane. And he just went on over and over and over about, I can't believe you came out here at this time of day to help me with my, well, I wanted to help the guy. I wanted to go out there and help him, you know, and all that kind of stuff. There was the paycheck, the amount of money that he was gonna pay, never even crossed my mind. I thought, I just wanna go out there and help this fella since he can't find anybody else to do it. Never witnessed to him, never talked about anything, yeah, but, uh, but it was just an interesting thing that this guy, he's very wealthy, well off, you know, doesn't, probably have a need for anybody like me other than to help him with his airplane. And, uh, but he was just grateful that, that uh, somebody would come out and bother. It's the same way with people when you help them. Man, they're, they're, they're grateful for that and uh, there's an excellent witnessing opportunity. How about this question? Somebody might ask you this, is there really a God? Well, let me tell you all about him. I can tell you all, there really is a God and I can tell you all about God. Here, let's kind of start over here and I'll tell you about some things here and I'll tell you about his son too because I know him pretty well. And there's a book out there, a Bible that's printed and you can know him pretty well too. You can have a, a relationship with him. You don't believe all that stuff about Jesus and God, do you? Yep, sure do. I believe all that stuff. These are all different things that might come up in your life when you're having interaction with people when it comes to our, when it comes to our faith. Have you run into any of this kind of stuff? Have, have, have any of y'all heard any of these kind of questions? People talk to you about that, have a, have a testimony? Or what else is maybe somebody else in the room has had something that I haven't run across 
And if y'all had anybody ever say anything weird to you, odd about our faith, about our church, about uh, questions about God that might help you get into a, a, a position or a posture where you would be able to, to witness to them. You know, so um, understanding the gospel. Well, I think we all pretty well understand the gospel, but sometimes what happens is we get so bogged down with trying to fashion all the right words and, and the right avenue to go down to tell somebody about it that it can really get muddled up. As a matter of fact, I think a few weeks ago, we talked about one of, the, one of the topics was why is this so hard to do this? And it's because we just totally complicate the thing. You know, the, the, the gospel is actually, it's pretty easy to, to understand what it is. Uh, getting somebody else to understand it might not be so, might not be so easy. So um, to get involved with answering these questions and telling people about the, the gospel, you've you got to be prepared spiritually and mentally. So a little bit ago, we had some, some things that are, that are called disciplines that you should, be, that you should have. We talked about the, you know, the discipline of, of praying every day. Probably everybody in here has a prayer life, people on the prayer sheet, we pray for other people and all that kind of stuff. But I wonder how often we pray for ourselves to say, you know what, boy, if, if God put somebody in my way today that I can witness to, would you give me the right words, Father? Would you help me with, with doing that? Um, I pray every day that, that God would just put people in my path to witness to because I, I love doing it. It's just, great, it's just great fun. We also talked about, the, you know, talked about prayer and fasting a, a little bit, that there might be somebody that you're particularly uh, concerned about that maybe, maybe just having a eight or a 12-hour fast one day with that particular person and their salvation on your mind the whole time might be something that would be, that would be beneficial. And there was something else there that I can't quite remember what it was, but, but finally at the end of the thing, there was a discipline of personal evangelism. And that is what we're commanded by God to do. We should have this, this mindset about ourselves. And I, I mentioned in there, I says, the more you practice something, the better off you, you get at it. Um, I don't know that you guys all believe me about that. I know there's some people in this room right now because I have talked to them individually that they are already fishers of men. They hand out stuff, they tell people different things and all this sort of thing. And uh, uh, I think that the way, I'm not, I don't want to embarrass anybody by giving a show of hands or anything like that because some people aren't. It's just, it's just really that simple. I mean, I never used to be. I never used to tell anybody about this till I had some training on it and I seen the result of doing it. And so you, um, you, you go through there and they would probably testify that, yep, the more you do it, the easier it gets. The more tracks you hand out to somebody, the easier it is to do it. The more witnessing you do, the more times you lead somebody to Christ, it's easier and easier to do it. So anyways, um, uh, we must be able to tell people who God is and his nature. We, had a, we just had a whole class about this. I don't know how long it took, but it was a long time we went through all that doctrine class there. And so I just kind of remind you, you know, God is omnipotent. He, that means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, all-knowing. He's omnipresent, not limited by space and time. And then here, here's the thing that, that will really get you pointing down the right path when it, 
when you're talking to somebody about God and you're trying to move over towards a point of witnessing to him and trying to lead them to Christ. And we're not even at that point yet. That'll be a couple lessons from now about how this is going to work with just a little brief overview. Genesis 1.1 says this is a great place to start. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Period. That's all it says. That's verse 1 right there. God really is the creator. We're not the result of random chance. We were created by the one true and living God in his image, as a matter of fact, was what the, what the Bible says. God created man, man and woman in his image. So anyhow, you go through and you start talking to somebody about this very thing. Now, there, there's a point in a conversation where you have to kind of maybe read the person's, how receptive they are to this, right? We're not doing any of this in our own strength and power. We are doing it relying on God's holy word. We're relying on the scripture. And we're also relying on the Holy Spirit to be drawing them, to, to be, you know, convicting them about what you're talking about. And so sometimes if you're sitting there and the person just totally seems like they're disinterested, I will actually, I'll just actually stop and just say, hey, look, are, are you feeling any interest at all and even hearing what I'm telling you here? And you, you do it in loving kindness. I mean, it's just like, hey, dude, do you, are you listening to anything I'm telling you? You can't grab them by the, by the shirt collar. But, uh, um, you know, if they, if, if they kind of hesitate about that or they're not really, just, just end the conversation there. You've planted a seed. Let God deal with them down the road. Somebody else might witness to him. 10 minutes from now, or somebody else might witness to that person 10 years from now. You don't know, and it's not any of our business. That's not how this whole thing works. Amen. So we're, we're, not here, we're not here accidentally. We're not evolved. We're not any of that. God is perfect and holy and righteous. We want to make sure that people are clear about that, and we want to make sure that we're clear about that. You know, God, um, God is just. Psalm 97, 1 and 2 says this, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of his of isle be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him, righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. God does not excuse the guilty. That's kind of a, that's kind of a hard thing to... Let somebody know. When you're out there and you're telling people the truth about things, sometimes the truth is a hard pill to swallow. But the Bible is pretty clear about the fact that um, we're, we're, all, we're all sinners. There's not any of us that get out of that boat, right? Born into this mess, we have the, we have the sin passed down through the way we're conceived and everything else is all problematic. God is righteous. He's holy. He can't let any sin be in heaven. So it kind of stands to reason there's a certain amount of appeal in the logic that, uh, that if God can't have any sin in heaven, he certainly can't let a sinner come into heaven without having some atonement for that. We all know from the Old Testament and all that, it was always sacrificing all these different things. And finally, Jesus comes around and he's the perfect lamb. He's the perfect sacrifice to atone for all of our sins. And as you get through these things and you start talking to people, you tell them that, uh, that um, here's what you have to do. 
You need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and we'll get into how all that happens down the road and what have you. But God is not going to excuse the guilty. There are people that are going to hear, they're going to hear all about this. Some of them are going to accept, some of them are going to reject. Sometimes it might be people like us that we've heard about it a whole bunch of times. Patty and I had heard about it over the years, and we finally moved off a of dead center and accepted Christ as our, as our Savior. Some people may not do that. But anyway, you get going down that path, and you finally have to m make folks realize that every one of us are guilty. We're, there, and, and God says right in his word, he does not excuse the guilty. All right, so how do you get, how do you get out of being guilty? Well, you don't do anything to get out of being guilty except, except what Jesus Christ did for you on that cross at Calvary and believe in that by faith. You have, to, you have to have a sincere, heartfelt belief in that and confess that. All right? All right. Now... You can answer and say that you understand who God is and why you should turn to his son, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of your life. And so there's a couple of things there. Jesus being your Savior, and we talked about this last week also, Jesus being your Savior is something that's completely different than being your Lord. And the way this is supposed to work, and you gotta, you kind of got, we're going through this to kind of let you know what you need to make sure is clear with people when you're when you're witnessing to them, is that it all happens at the same time. You accept Jesus Christ as your as your Savior, that's really good. Accepting Him as your Lord, that might not be so inviting or so, uh, you know. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Can't, can't, I can't think of the right word, but somebody might not be so receptive to that aspect of it. Having somebody that's going to lord over you, somebody that's going to convict you, somebody that's going to make you do right, the Holy Spirit and everything, that can be a difficult thing. I know I have trouble with that myself. I, there's, there's some things that God wants me to do that I just do not want to do. I'm just happy just to do things my way and to keep moving along that way. But you, you have to... Uh, you know, you have to kind of make these people understand that he's not just going to be your savior. He needs to be the Lord of your life, too. And there has to be some desire to be. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to have a desire to be Christ-like. You, you have to follow what he's doing. All right. So as you get into this, then, this leads to what is known as the Romans Road. Have, have, have you all heard... Have you all heard this before? You've, you folks have heard of the Romans Road. Here's the path that you go down. I mean, this is all just pretty elementary kind of, kind of stuff here. But you can segue right into it from here. And so I'm just going to kind of briefly run through this with a little bit of commentary, and then we'll probably be just about out of time here for the day. All right? In Romans 3.23, it says this, For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. All right. There should be no question about that. Doesn't say that some, doesn't say anything. It says all have sinned, period. That includes the whole crowd of us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Boy, but there's some good news right after that, right? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, 
But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's very encouraging, and that really shows and proves just how much love God actually has for us. We're supposed to be the crown of his creation, and, and, and so I often, I often look, at the, look at a situation and I go, wow, had I, had I made that right there, I would be really happy with that. I'd be really pleased with what I've done. Um, uh, Maybe you, maybe you work on something over here and you get some guy's engine running for him or something like that. You look at it, that's a job well done, that's good. Can you imagine what it must be like to be God and look at the human race and see what human beings are capable of doing, what we do? Also seeing how capable we are of going off on tangents and going down the wrong path. But it says here, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that's good. That's good news. While it, it's hard, we've raised four kids now and a couple of grandkids we're helping with and all that stuff. Sometimes it's very difficult when your kids are misbehaving for you to give them any kind of grace and mercy and carry on with maybe a good educational lesson for them or whatever that's going to try to develop them down the road here. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So have a little mercy on people that we're, we're dealing with here. Romans 10, 9 through 13 says this right here, and this is how it works. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There's not any, there's not any question about it. If you do those two things right there, thou shalt be saved. Not might. Not you might get saved if you cross all these T's and dot all these I's and do all these other things. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's how you do it. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that's some encouraging stuff to tell somebody, particularly if they've got an, an interest in what you're trying to tell them, particularly if they want, if they have a desire to, to understand about what their destiny is at the end of this life for all of eternity. John 1.12 says this right here. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, that believe on his name. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So the way that these people get to where they believe these things and their faith gets increased is by us telling them about it. It's not, it's not real likely or it's not that often that somebody has an interest in spiritual things and particularly salvation they might have they might have seen the 
They might have seen the scripture, John 3.16, somebody holding it up at a football game or something like that and wondered and maybe did an internet search for it. And they seen that whole thing about for whosoever believeth in him should not perish and have everlasting life and all this. God so loved the world. We're going to read that here in just a second. But it's not likely that the next thing they're going to do is Sunday morning, go find a church to go to, to, to figure this out. But it is, it is some curiosity just around town you might have. You bump into people, you talk to them, you, you visit with them a little bit. John 3, 16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but, the wor but that the world through him might be saved. That's encouraging. John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. These things are all very encouraging things to keep in mind when you're witnessing to somebody. Now, here, here's the problem. It's sitting here in this classroom. It's taken me the better part of 35 or 40 minutes to go through. All, but by this time in the, in the parking lot conversation, you'd be standing there for the last 15 minutes by yourself. The people would have left. They have other things that they need to do. So down the road, we condense this down to here's what you need to tell somebody. That's the seed. What happens after that, if they're interested, they'll stay around for the rest of the conversation. If not, you let them go. You just get them out of there, and that's the end of the, that's the, end of the program. Um, John 10, 27 through 30, that's the end of the program as far as you're concerned. That may not be the end of the program as far as they're concerned, by the way. John 10, 27 through 30, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You know, back in the uh, doctrine class there, we talked about that very scripture uh, there that, that says this, I and my Father are one. There is, I mean, you, you have to be in the frame of mind that your mission in life is to prove that Jesus Christ was not who he said he was. If you can't look at that and understand that Jesus and God are the same, <laughs> are the same thing, all right? Three different people, the triune God, Jesus fully man, and fully the, the God's word made flesh and walking around among us. Fully man, fully God. Both at the same time, we can't understand that's part of the mystery of the faith, right? I can't explain to you how that works. I can't explain to, to you guys most of the time how my mind works and can come up with different things. All right, how, 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 how Jesus could do that without being God is impossible, but how he could do it even, even as God, you look at it and you go, how in the world could he separate these, these things? I remember talking about the whole issue about the about Jesus out there, and he sees this fig tree pretty far away. Now, I would think he would already know that there's not any figs on that tree, but he walks over there. The, the word they use in the Bible is haply. In other words, he goes over, not happily, haply. He goes over there kind of just like, man, I wonder if, there's, wonder if there's anything over on this fig tree, and he gets there and finds out there's not, and then curses. We all know the rest of that story there. 
How, do you, how does he keep those things separate? How did, he, how did he live a total human life, tempted like we are, and not ever commit a sin? Boy, that's a, that's a, a problem when you're a human. I get tempted for 10 seconds and I usually sin or look at something I'm not supposed to, or think something I'm not supposed to, maybe talk about somebody that I'm not supposed to, all of these kind of things like this. Anyway, uh, you go through and you, get a, you start getting an idea about uh, Jesus really is who he said he was, and, and what have you, and that was what the whole doctrine thing was all about. And then finally here, John 20, verse 31 says these. This is what I was telling this man over at the body shop here. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Amen. Now that's, a, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting word there, that ye might have life through his name. The, the, the reason why it's like that is, is you might not have life through his name either if you don't accept him and you don't understand who he is and understand that he needs to be your Lord and Savior. And so you go on and you look through these different things and, and uh, you know, you, you try, to, try to make a little sense of this. As we get into the next couple of weeks' lessons, we will actually go through and, and pare this whole thing down. Here's what you say. We might even have, some, we might even have somebody come up and, and I'll kind of walk through maybe how I hand a tract out to somebody. And I just pick somebody random. Hey, come up here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you. And you just, because that's what it is. When you're out there in real life, it's random. There's not anything rehearsed. You don't see somebody in the grocery store and say, hey, I'm going to meet you back at the cash register next week, and here's what I'm going to say to you. you know? and, and, and then they can figure out what they're going to ask. All right? Anybody have any questions, comments, concerns about anything we've talked about here? We've just got a few minutes left. What that it was the second bell? It was the second bell already. All right, I'll get out of here. Connie, nice to see you in here this morning. Welcome back. Anyway, here's your challenge for this week. I told you 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 just see if this makes any sense. I'll kind of explain it. This week, I want to see if you can go the whole week without doing anything to further the gospel. Not sure how much we've been doing so far, but try not to do anything this week. And here's why I say that. And, here, and here's what I say. And here's why I say this. If you can't, if you can't sit still and not tell anybody about the Lord this week, not hand out a tract, not invite anybody to church, if that's the case, then it means the Holy Spirit's working on you in this area. And that's the progress we want to make. Listen, I say these things as a blanket statement. Sometimes when I'm writing these and I, I, I sit and I look at this and I try to figure out what am I going to say to these people in this class. I was telling Patty last night, I said, this class would be a lot easier to be teaching the new believers. You guys have been around the patch. Some of you guys have been here longer than I've been alive. And so it's difficult to say, hey, look, I want you to go out here and, I want you to go out here and do this. Um, it's not just me that wants you to go out and do it. It's God. God commands us. We're supposed to be out telling people about the, about the gospel, and we're just trying to figure out some ways here that might be a little bit easier. Anyway, Father, thank you for the uh, time that you've set aside here. We'd ask now that you'd be with Preacher Pew this morning as he brings us the message. We love you, thank you, and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, thanks, folks.